0: welcome to Please Be Excited. My name is John. I'm your host. Uh, Today's episode is going to be 1980s horror. Um, This episode has been a little bit frustrated. It is very late. I'm sorry about that. Uh, Lots of things got in the way of recording it. Um, Kind of like everything that you could think of got in the way. So, Um, Rachel and I recorded a (laughs) almost three-hour episode, uh, for this, doing 1980s horror movies, and most of that was unusable. The audio was messed up, it was totally out of sync for most of it, so we were kind of just, like, talking over each other in response to each other, it just not listenable. Um, so I want to just say up front, this is going to be kind of a mixed uh, episode where, you know, I might talk about a couple movies by myself. There is... We have one good <laughs> portion of that three-hour recording um, covering one movie, me and Rachel. So that's going to be in here. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to record some, uh, stuff on my own, so you'll hear that, and I think I'm going to have a recording with, uh, Chad about one movie, so kind of a mixed, mixed bag, but we're doing what we can to get this episode finished and published, and yeah, thanks for, uh, understanding. (laughs) Because that's what like that's what I was doing um <laughs> earlier this year was just I like, just put on like all the Halloween movies, put on like all the Friday the thirteenth movies
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they're not great, but
1: like, <laughs> <laughs> some of to, them
0: are <laughs> well, it's fun to watch a whole series and like see the highs and lows. Mm-hmm
1: all that it's kind of funny too because like at the time they were making them like they didn't realize they were going to keep going so far like especially with like friday and everything like yeah like they just kind of were like slapdash. like all right well we're gonna do this this time it doesn't have (laughs) to make sense nobody's gonna watch this as a whole continuous (laughs) series like
0: yeah it's it's funny seeing the um the friday the 13th like release dates Mm -hmm. And it's just, like, one every single year. Yeah,
1: they're like, ooh, <laughs> and, cash cow.
0: <laughs> and they're just, yeah, and they're just getting, like, whoever they could to direct, whoever they could to write, yeah. like whatever whatever they had just, like, ready to go as soon as they finished one, filming one, and they just went straight into the next. Yep. Um, I think leading off of that, maybe we'll just jump into not talking about Friday the 13th yet. <laughs> But, um, what you are saying about them having no idea that these would, like, become franchises and big things that, you know, people would watch, um, all Years the time. Years to come. And, yeah, and just, like, in a straight, you know, marathon kind of thing. I kind of want to start with Halloween 3.
1: Um, we can absolutely start with Halloween 3.
0: <laughs> because, okay, this is, we're just going, this is the episode, um, we're going to start with Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, uh, which came out in 1982.
1: And... Stars Tom Atkins and his mustache. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: yes. And doesn't he have, like, a, aren't, like, all of his shirts, like, button-ups that are, like, really buttoned down, mm-hmm. so his chest is kind of exposed? <laughs> um. Yeah, so what you were saying about the series thing just made me think of that um just from like the limited stuff that i've read about it um like halloween as a franchise and like how this movie basically killed the halloween (laughs) franchise yeah
1: for a while
0: for i think it said six years i think there's a six-year difference between um when this came out and then they brought michael myers back in part four or whatever um but yeah like they they made one, and that was a big success. And then I don't, re- I don't know if you know the story for, like, what happened production-wise on Halloween 2. Because I can't really remember exactly what happened there.
1: I feel like there was a debacle. I can't remember exactly either. But um, I think I had heard somewhere that Jamie Lee Curtis had not wanted to be in it. Mm-hmm. And I think they were just trying to cash in you know, on the continuation of making money off the huge success of Halloween. Um, Right. But I like it. I really like them together. I think it's great.
0: Okay. Um, Because I think this is, again, just, like, pieces of what I remember. So, sorry if it's all wrong, listeners. (laughs) But I think it was, like, a—I forget the guy's name, the producer on the first Halloween um, who like, who wanted them to immediately make Halloween too. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a thing of like Carpenter and um, Deborah Hill, mm-hmm. his producing partner and like co-writer on a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, wanted, I think they wanted to make other stuff and then, I'm pretty sure the agreement was, like, if they did Halloween 2, he would finance their other movies. Right. And then what happened was they made Halloween 2, but then I don't know if they self-financed or if they just had, like, another financier person come in and, like, sign a deal to make three movies and just, like, fuck this guy that we made made Halloween. with. Um, I feel like that's what happened with... Halloween two, and then um, and the guy I think the the producer guy like wanted them to lean into a lot of things with Halloween mm-hmm. two. Um, I forget what I just remember it being like the bad things about Halloween right, two, right? Like
1: make it more like a, like just a slasher type of thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. It was yeah, make it more like a slasher. Um. Oh yeah, I don't. I really. I wish I could remember what it was. Maybe it was one of those like YouTube video channels that um did the, you know, anatomy of a series, mm-hmm. uh, anatomy of a franchise series or whatever it was called. Um but yeah, there's a lot of stuff with Halloween 2 that was like not what the director wanted, the producer kind of calling the shots and running everything there. Um but how ha- yeah, so Halloween 3 <laughs> was like intended to be the start of you know making the halloween series into an anthology series,
1: right like every halloween uh, like a different series different yeah, story yeah, which
0: i i love the idea of um i think we talked about this the other day didn't we like with stranger things and yes uh yeah and this was like this was supposed to launch a you know, like a yearly or however far apart, just anthology series every Halloween. New story, new characters, new setting, new premise, everything. Um, And I was saying, like, that's what Stranger Things should have been. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, uh, do you want to set up and, like, tell people (laughs) what the premise of this insane movie is? Um,
1: You just recently watched it, so I'll let you do it. And chime in here okay. and there because i can okay. describe it but i just feel like it's so fresh on your mind
0: <laughs> okay so um halloween three season of the witch is a standalone movie within the halloween series um it doesn't feature michael myers except for when the first halloween movie on is on the tv on tv <laughs> Yeah, so somebody in this universe is watching the first Halloween movie as it's a Very movie. meta. Yeah, very meta. Um, and it focuses on, oh boy, an alcoholic
1: womanizer <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> doctor. Womanizer divorced. Is he divorced? I think he's married. Like, I think
1: he's just never home.
0: Okay, I couldn't tell because. There's like one scene with the wife, and they don't say ex-wife. Um, they just make just make it a point that he's like miserable with
1: her. I think he's just a terrible person.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. So Tom Atkins plays an awful guy, also a doctor. <laughs> Who's the lead? Of this movie. Oh yeah, he's an alcoholic Dr. doctor Atkins. <laughs> And um, yeah, so some guy gets uh, attacked and brought to his hospital, to Tom Atkins' hospital, um, his personal hospital, and and then somebody in the middle of the night like comes in and kills this guy who's ranting about, you know, they're gonna kill us all. He's blah like the clutching
1: blah. like a pumpkin mask.
0: Oh, yeah, he's clutching the, the pumpkin mask. Um, there are these three, is it, what, it's a skull, a pumpkin, and a witch mm-hmm. mask that are, like, the famous three, you know, that have become kind of, like, a uh, horror iconography kind of thing. Um, anyways, so, yeah, this guy is, like, ranting and raving about they're going to kill us all, clutching the pumpkin mask, Um Somebody in a suit who we've seen in an earlier scene um, chasing this man comes into the hospital and, you know, is very, like, stiff and weird, um, very unnatural way of, like, walking and moving. um, And they come in and just, like, (laughs) poke his his eyes to
1: death, like, jam their thumbs in his eyes. (laughs)
0: <laughs> the death scene yeah they they i think
1: they're wearing mm-hmm. gloves
0: like leather gloves. murder gloves and they <laughs>
1: yeah
0: and they pinch like into like they poke his eyeballs in and then they like pinch behind where the skull like the nose and the skull section is that's your weakest spot Um, okay (laughs)
1: that's
0: why yeah yeah. evidently yeah (laughs) and then just like yank up and it kills this guy it's so it's such a weird death scene i feel like that had to have been something somebody working on the movie like knew or like heard from i like a black ops person (laughs) or
1: something
0: (laughs) like like what is this murder like you would never think to kill somebody that way. Yeah, they're way. big
1: on head or... crushing, I feel like. These robot yeah, guys are... Or...
0: Aren't there, like, multiple yeah, head Yeah, they just squeeze into... your skull. Yeah. Yeah, it's so weird. And, yeah, and that's the, the part, is, like, the reveal is they're robots. <laughs> like, this dude kills this guy and then just goes out into his car and lights himself on fire. And, yeah... <laughs> And then the car blows Mm -hmm. up or something. Um, so, uh, Tom Atkins is like, (laughs) he's kind of, he's kind of like disturbed and, you know, what's, what's going on here? This happened in my hospital, whatever. Um, but the the point that he becomes very interested in this is whenever the young woman, um, I forget the actor's name. Um, I feel like it's stacy something she looks like
1: a stacy yeah <laughs>
0: she's probably a stacy um who this is this is a recurring thing with tom atkins roles is like having like a 20 plus year
1: age plus yeah. he's like grab-assing but, everyone he did it to the old lady nurse <laughs> in the hallway the he lab did, technician he flirts, <laughs> like, he, yeah he's
0: first off he's dating the lab technician at this hospital um, he he flirts with the the older black and nurse her. <laughs> and and grabs her ass, yeah, and then yeah, and they're like talking about. Oh, he's like, oh, I'm gonna go take a nap. You want to join me? And he like grabs her ass or something, <laughs> and then she's just like, oh,
1: not right now. <laughs> or something.
0: something like that. So handsy. So yeah. He's just, yeah, a handsy womanizer. And he becomes very interested in what is happening with these men in suits and the death of this guy. Soon as this, like, 22-year-old lady (laughs) walks in, and is like, my father died. That was my father. And then he's like, whoa, now I got to get involved in this. Um, So, yeah, so he just abandons his family. (laughs) He abandons his job and goes off with this like young twenty year old
1: on a road trip
0: <laughs> on a road trip. The thing that I love is that um they have this little scene early on where like they i think they like track the the mask that her father was holding down to like a local mm-hmm. store or something, so then like they go there. And, uh, look at the mask and they're like, oh, there's something going on here. And they like look at the production company or whatever. And that's where they, you know, go to the small town. Is it Irish or Irish people? Okay. Irish. Yeah. So anyways, um, there's two things I love about, about that, where, where the young woman, um, tracks him down i don't know if you remember this bar yeah bar and she's like she's like some of the nurses said you would be here (laughs) (laughs) it's like this guy's just getting hammered every single day like every work break it's really stressful being
1: a doctor you've got to have something to take the edge off
0: yeah you need beer and Um, yeah apparently (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah she like tracks him down to this bar where it's like totally empty aside from him and then um, and then the scene after they go to the Halloween store and like find the company that they need to go you know investigate um, it just cuts to him on a payphone talking to his wife and you can hear like the, the children like yelling and making a ruckus in the background and the and the wife is like all stressed out, and, he, and he's just like, "I gotta go do this thing, okay?" He's like, he's like, "It's a work trip. I gotta go do this thing." And um, I think I feel like it's kind of out of frame, or like he's blocking it. But soon as he hangs up the phone, <laughs> then you see behind him, on top of the payphone, is just like a six pack. I,
1: I didn't notice. <laughs>
0: he grabs yeah he like the only thing he made sure to bring on the strip was a
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it was yeah that reveal was so funny um anyways so the two of them go to I forget the name of the town um but they go to this town that's in the middle of nowhere and it's one of those like factory towns where all they do is just produce stuff and like Barely anybody lives there. Um, and it's all kind of like these Irish people now because this Irish company moved there. And they're producing these Halloween masks. And uh, and then, yeah, Tom Atkins and this woman start investigating. and um, And then there's like these weird, wacky kind of characters mm-hmm. that show up that are, I guess they do, like, they buy, you know, wholesale from mask companies and, you know, uh, for, like, Halloween stores and everything. Um, So there's this woman who's, like, a this buyer person who's just, like, totally miserable, uh, single older woman, you know, who's, like, just, yeah, hates being there. And and then there's this guy who feels very um, the family man guy. Oh, the family man. Yeah, feels very much like a yeah. Oh,
1: he does. Kid. You're right. <laughs> he's like a cousin uh, Eddie.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's like cousin Eddie. He's got like he's got his wife, and um, and he's got like the I forget if he has a daughter, but he has like a teenage son who's just like causing trouble all the time, and um. And then he's wearing like you know like an oh, ill-fitting yes, suit striped kind of thing. plaid
1: or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so then there's just like these weird, there's just weird like investigation scenes. Everyone's in detective. Uh, yeah, and that's I <laughs> you mentioned that's, that before. <laughs> we talked about. Yeah, on the last episode. I, I just love whatever these random regular people <laughs> just turn into detectives. <laughs> and um yeah, so so they start investigating and then they just like start having they start having sex all the time. <laughs> There's like multiple sex scenes, awkward sex scenes between them, staying in this uh the same hotel bed.
1: It's like a it's seedy, really gross roadside motel. <laughs> it
0: is. And yeah, like while they're doing it, then the, the older lady gets her eyes like lasered out by, by, by one of the masks. Yeah, she finds like that
1: little, the like button and sees that little circuit yeah, board little, and starts poking yeah. at it with like a hair clip. And it like goes berserk, yeah. and beams shoot into her face, and she's basically like obliterated.
0: Yeah. Um. Something we should mention now that you know comes up kind of early in the movie is like somebody, somebody. There's a news report of like somebody stealing stones yes. or something. It's like
1: the kids. Um. <laughs> it's in the first part. Whenever he like goes to his ha- like. When Tom Atkins goes to his house to see his wife for, like, the three seconds he's there, I think the kids are, like, watching, like, a report about Stonehenge.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's on TV. Like, quickly flip the channel. Yeah, and he, like, he brings them some Halloween masks, and then they're like, no, we got the silver shamrock mask." Amazing song. Um Oh, yeah. It's really, really good. It'll get stuck in your head if you ever. Eric
1: and I sing it all the time. Um,
0: Yeah. Um, God, I'm just thinking about, like, the first time watching this movie. It's such a new experience. (laughs) It's so bizarre.
1: It makes me sad Um, that so many of, like, the reviews for it at the time were so negative because people went in thinking it was going to be a Michael Myers movie. Like if you just approach it, like like yeah. you said, as a fresh experience. Like if you just approach it as a movie, it's amazing. It's gonna like blow your mind. It's so good. But if you think you're gonna see Michael Myers, yeah. like yeah, you're gonna walk out disappointed. That's some bad marketing. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I I wondered yeah what the marketing was. I
1: think for they just forced them to slap that um, title on there so that it could get some traction. Yeah
0: yeah probably i I just wondered if this was like written specifically you know because like how movie studios will take the script mm-hmm. repurpose it you know for something else i wondered if this was something that they had like already done or um... if it was from the ground up like okay we're gonna make this anthology turn for you know the halloween series and
1: It's probably like John Carpenter and Deborah Hill wanted to do the anthology and they were like, well, the studio says you can only do this if you make it related to the Halloween movies that you've had some success with.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, We were talking about the
0: lady. (laughs) It's It's like right
1: before they go to the factory, I think.
0: Yeah, and then they go to the Silver Shamrock Factory, um, and I honestly, I just like totally forget what happens there. Well, it's like the the old guy doesn't he like take the family into a room and he's like saying they're gonna do product. That testing I think is a something? little bit
1: later, but it's like um, I think they're doing a tour, like a factory tour. And so, like, the family's on it. And because the family had met um, Dr. Atkins and his (laughs) lover at the hotel, they, like, just piggyback in. And so, like, they start to, like, do, like, a factory tour.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, there's the tour. And then I remember at the end of the tour, um, they're coming out of the factory and then they see – her Mm -hmm. dad's car like parked behind something and then um god it's just i have a lot of blank (laughs) spots in this movie (laughs) because i will kind of check out because it's just like there there's there's also some homeless guy oh yeah that
1: talks to atkins
0: yeah, he he's like, hey, can-. oh, he just, like, jumps like, out totally of the He's, like, totally against this, like,
1: Mr. Cochran guy who, like, came in and built the factory and stuff. He's, like, talking bad about him. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but, yeah, he, like, uh, Atkins is, is again, <laughs> buying booze and bringing it to the hotel room. And then this guy just, like, jumps <laughs> out of the shadows and he's like, hey, can I get a sip? <laughs> and then he's like i don't got any diseases or nothing and then um and then atkins just like oh yeah sure whatever so then they just like share whiskey and this guy shit talks the cochran guy and (laughs) silver shamrock the whole time he's like they got they got listening devices they got people everywhere and we
1: see like cameras uh, like on the the street poles and stuff yeah
0: you, yeah, you see those, and like all over town, you see the men in suits and everything. Um, just like standing on top <laughs> of buildings and stuff, watching them. Um, yeah, so like all that stuff happens. I forget exactly what happens. Um, I what brings them like to the factory? I think, and um, towards,
1: yeah, after, um, the main actress, like, sees her dad's car, they, like, realize that she knows, and then they kidnap her, and then Tom Atkins has to go back to the factory to save her, and that's whenever we see that scene with the salesman's family, where they're in, like, that scary Um, testing room.
0: Yeah, so they, so the thing is, there's these, um, as we mentioned before, there are these Halloween masks that have some kind of, like, button and, like, computer the chip stuff. the final processing. <laughs> yeah, and, and they are lured into this room uh, under the guise of doing product testing, and they have the masks, and um, I forget, like, are the kids
1: wearing the masks? Um, I think they give, this? like, the sun... The mask, and then they're like, "Just sit tight, we'll be right with you." And then the TV comes on. It's like, "Eh, eh, eh, eh."
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes, the Silver Shamrock song. The ad comes on, and then yeah, that triggers it, right? That's yeah. So then that triggers the. I don't even know what the hell to call it or say it's like it turns into like a supernatural kind of sci-fi weird thing with it just goes your head collapses and
1: turns into bugs
0: (laughs) yes if you're if you're wearing if you're wearing the mask and you see the ad then your head collapses and turns into like bugs and snakes or something like that um it's really weird and that that's their evil plan to like
1: kill i think children. it's supposed to be like a sacrifice like like it's like an old world okay. like sam hain like irish folk tale yeah. sacrifice okay
0: yeah because it ties it ties into the stonehenge stuff because they like have Stonehenge. yeah they in like this
1: drug it in factory? there somehow <laughs>
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, So, yeah, so, like, the... Yeah, it's some kind of Samhain sacrifice. And Stonehenge factors in, in some way. Um, And it's just gonna, yeah, turn children's heads into mush and bugs and everything. and Like, that's their whole evil plan. Like, there's no... Uh, like we said before, this isn't a slasher movie. It's just like...
1: It's definitely supernatural, weird... like you said.
0: Yeah, it's like a supernatural conspiracy, like evil <laughs> conspiracy kind of thing. That's what's <laughs> being stopped here. <laughs> um, and, oh man, I just I remembered something um, another, another thing with Tom Atkins being a bad husband there's so many Uh, um there's so many things but i started laughing i started laughing so hard um towards the end whenever he realizes you know his children have those masks at home the ad the ad is gonna come on and i just started laughing because he calls his wife in like a panic and all All he's saying for the first like 20 seconds of the call, Linda, (laughs) he's like, "I'm not drunk. I haven't (laughs) been
1: drinking. Just listen to me."
0: (laughs) Yeah, she she accuses him. Yeah, she accuses him of being drunk. He's like, "No, I haven't. I haven't been drinking." Um. Yeah, I took. I forgot that I took (laughs) notes for this movie, (laughs) so I'm I'm checking those over to see if there's anything, um, important. Um. Okay. Uh. Well, this is very important. Uh. Cool guy, Doctor Tom Atkins, with a classic oh, jacket over no. the shoulder. <laughs> he does that, I think he does that multiple times throughout the movie, where he's just wearing like a flannel, and then he has. The you know what's jacket really weird? I remember when I
1: saw this like a long, long time ago, and I actually like thought he was like moderately handsome. Upon rewatch, I gotta tell you, I don't know what I was thinking. Maybe it's like young minds, like just distracted by the mustache, but he, he's got a little bit of a pot belly and he runs like a 90 year old man. Oh, yeah. It's terrible. Oh, I don't yeah. know what was going on um, with me.
0: I think, but I think, like, we're gonna talk about <sighs> the fog on this episode. But the thing is, in the fog,
1: he Which doesn't is have his mustache.
0: <laughs> He's clean-shaven, and it looks so odd. Some people just need the mustache, so
1: like Sam Elliott. Um,
0: Alright, so what you heard there was the Halloween 3 Season of the Witch portion of the episode. Uh, kind of the only good audio that we had out of that, that uh, three-hour recording Rachel and I did. Um... Pretty sure it gets out of sync there towards the end, but believe me, that is the best that we had out of that whole entire recording. Um, Halloween three seasonal witch just an amazing experience. If you haven't seen it, if you don't know anything about it, it's gonna just like you're gonna you're either gonna hate it or love it. Um, I don't think there's any in between. Um, so going from Halloween three, and Tom Atkins, the amazing Tom Atkins, um, I figured why not just jump from that to the Fog, John Carpenter's the Fog. Um, his I think that's John Carpenter's fourth film after Dark Star, Assault on Precinct thirteen, and then Halloween. He made the Fog, which was released in nineteen eighty and also stars, uh, Tom Atkins, um, I should say up front right now, (laughs) I am running on two hours sleep and a cup of coffee, so sorry if some details are, like, you know, hazy, or I get names wrong or something, um, yeah, so The Fog, 1980, um, Tom Atkins, it's got Jamie Lee Curtis, it has uh Adrian Barbeau, um who's God, I can't remember I can't remember like anything she was in right now, but I believe she was married to John Carpenter at the time uh that they made this movie. Um yeah, so it has them, it has uh Hal Holbrook, the great Hal Holbrook and um Playing Father Malone. Uh, Hey, Cheeto. Cheeto's meowing in the background. Um, Playing Father Malone (laughs) is Hal Holbrook. I honestly did not know that he was um, still alive. I went and checked his Wikipedia after I watched this, and he's still kicking. He's still... I don't know if he's still actively filming things, or if he's, uh, finally retired now, I believe he's, like, in his 80s, or no, in his 90s, I think, um, yeah, so, the film, The Fog, is about, um, this little, it's this, the key word with this movie is cozy, it is such a cozy movie, um, like it's not too gruesome. There're some there's some deaths in here that are kind of uh like impactful, I think. Um, but it's not a real gory movie. Like you'll see you'll see some killings, but like it's not a blood fest and you know this was the eighties, so torture porn wasn't really a thing then. Um anyways so, Cozy, it is a, it's set in a seaside town, um, <laughs> Tom Atkins plays, uh, great, great character names in this movie, uh, he plays Nick Castle, which is actually the name of, I believe, the actor who played, um, who originally played... Michael Myers in Halloween, um, yeah, so, yeah, so Carpenter just took that guy's name and gave it to Tom Atkins, uh, in this, uh, Adrian Barbeau plays Stevie Wayne, um, yeah, (laughs) Hal Holbrook is Father Malone, oh, I meant, uh, I meant to say Janet Leigh is, uh, or Lee Janet Leigh is in this, um, Jimmy Lee Curtis's mom, in case you didn't know, um, Nancy Loomis is back from Halloween, she's in this as well, um, okay, so, seaside town, is a seaside, seaport, whatever, same difference, you get, you get what I'm saying, um, and it is about this these descendants of kind of like the Founding Fathers, the founding families, whatever, of this uh, town. And the Founding Fathers, um, their ancestor ancestors, a um, hundred, I think it was like a hundred years ago, because they're celebrating the centennial, I believe. So a hundred years ago, these characters' ancestors uh, kind of (laughs) screwed over this guy who was leading a leper colony to their land um, because they had made a deal, they had a promise of, hey, I'll give you all this gold if I can come settle my leper colony on your land. And they said, sure, sounds good, that's great. And then... (laughs) they all screwed him over, and they sank the ship and killed everybody, um, and took all of his gold, um, so, yeah, so, what happens is, a hundred years later, their ghosts come back to this town, and they are, uh, I believe they're looking for the gold and, like, killing all of the descendants, uh, of these men, so, um we follow uh, Adrienne Barbeau, who is a local radio DJ, she her radio station studio thing is like, is set up in a lighthouse, which I don't really know why Um, we, Rachel and I talked about this we couldn't really remember if it was outright said or if it um, is just like implied, you know, whether or not Uh, she is either a, uh, a divorcee or if she's a widow, because there's, like, a quick little pan shot, um, where it goes by some, uh, photographs of her and, like, a husband, and then there's, like, a family photo, and then I think there's, like, a photo of just her and the kid, um, and then there's, like, a newspaper clipping or something talking about, like, the studio, the radio station changing its name, So we weren't sure 100% whether or not uh, she was a widow or if she had, like, left, you know, an abusive relationship or something. Um, And I I couldn't remember if it was said one way or the other in the film. But she's one of the main characters. Uh, She's kind of, like, reporting... um, all throughout the movie, she's, like, broadcasting, and, you know, she's, like, the, the voice for people to, you know, follow, and, like, keep in contact, kind of, and, like, get information and stuff, um, hey, Cheeto, uh, she just jumped up next to me, and, yeah, so she's one of the main characters, she's a mom, has a little boy, um, And then Tom Atkins is a main character named Nick Castle. He is, I don't really know, I don't really remember exactly if he's just, like, a sailor guy, or if he, what exactly his job is. Um, It's just, it's funny, like, every, well, not exactly every movie, but, uh, The two big ones for me with him, there's another there's a third Tom Atkins movie, uh Night of the Creeps. We might have talked about it on the recording. Not totally sure if that got in there or if that was a cut part. Um yeah. Another third movie that we almost put on here, then I went and rewatched it. It's not great, but Tom Atkins is incredible. Uh is Night of the Creeps. It's a bad horror movie. Don't expect a good movie. Uh, however, it's, like, if you like his performance in Halloween 3 in The Fog, you should go watch Night of the Creeps, um, just a warning, he doesn't show up until, like, 40 minutes in, but what he does with the time he has in that film is amazing, (laughs) so it's definitely worth watching. Um, back to The Fog. He, I don't really, yeah, I don't really know exactly what his job is, what his role in the town is, uh, because he's, like, friends with these sailor guys, um, and he just picks up Jamie Lee Curtis, who is a hitchhiker, and she's going from somewhere to somewhere, <laughs> um, and, yeah, there's, there's a thing with him in this movie and Halloween 3, where he's, like, 20 plus years older than the love interest, or just the woman that he sleeps with, (laughs) I don't know if you could call it a love interest, um, yeah, so that's a thing in in these movies with him in them, um, but what happens is these ghosts come back to town, hunting these people down, searching for their gold, um, but I wanted to say, like, the reason I I love this movie is, first off, like, the, the John Carpenter score, it has a classic John Carpenter score, um, and then, like, the cinematography is amazing, um, it was shot by Dean Cundy, who was a, like, frequent, uh, Carpenter collaborator, um, He shot this, he shot like a, he shot most of like, you know, the good, the great Carpenter stuff. Uh, He shot Halloween 3. I believe he went from like, from Carpenter to working with Zemeckis during, you know, Zemeckis' height (laughs) um, in the 80s and the 90s. Like he was, he was nominated for uh, an Academy Award for um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. If you've seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit... That movie is insane. That movie is like is gorgeous, but just the logistics. I don't know how anybody made that movie. So, uh, yeah, Dean Cundy. he went from Zemeckis to Spielberg, and um, <laughs> I think I was looking at his uh, his credits, and it seems like he might have peaked with um, Apollo thirteen, the the Ron Howard movie uh, because he has, like, all of these nominations, his very next movie is Flubber, and from Flubber on, it's, like, romantic comedies, family movies, uh, yeah, not a lot for him to just, like, you know, put in work, um, but The Fog is a gorgeous, gorgeous movie, um, It makes great use of the fog, (laughs) and has this, uh, eerie atmosphere, this perfect atmosphere, um, the opening, it's so good, the opening is like a, it literally starts with a campfire story, some old guy talking to, I believe, um, Stevie Wayne, uh, Adrian Barbeau's character's son, I think, is at this campfire, um, And some old guy is telling these kids, you know, the story kind of giving you, like, the background stuff of um, ghosts and whatever with this town. Um, So, it has, yeah, it has this, like, immediately cozy, not super creepy, but, you know, spooky uh, feeling to it. And then the opening credits. The opening credits are so good. It's just, like, it's just these random not random, I should say, um, it's these very naturalistic shots all over town, um, it's not even, like, really following a character or any characters, it kind of just, like, cuts all over town, um, and you just, you just get such a good sense of, you know, what this town's feel is you get a good sense of like the layout you get a good sense of like you know what what are the the landmarks what are the standout you know places what's important to this town um and it kind of it cuts with these with these yeah like naturalistic shots where you'll have like a character not even you know um not even totally like framed for the shot they're just like doing stuff in the shot and it almost feels like you're watching regular people just like do their job or do whatever um thing in the background and you're seeing like you're seeing the fog um I'm not totally 100% you see the fog roll in at this point but you're seeing (laughs) you're seeing some supernatural force kind of travel through town and like move things and do things and it's just like in the background nobody's noticing nobody's paying attention um but it just does a really good job uh establishing atmosphere immediately uh establishing like the town and the layout and um all that stuff I think it's a it's a great great opening um I also don't I don't remember exactly if If there is, like, you know, a score all throughout that point. Because I can remember certain noises throughout that opening uh, credits sequence where it's just cutting through those shots of of just, like, natural uh, uh, sound. Just on location, like, sound. Um, So, yeah, so also kind of grounds it and, you know, doesn't make it feel so movie-like and everything. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't want to get, you know, super into the details of <laughs> this movie. I kind of just wanted to talk about certain things that I liked about it, um, which I think I kind of have, I think I've covered what I really like. It's like, uh, it's just, it, it, it's so, yeah the cozy atmosphere, the spooky feeling, but it's not, you know, it's not over the top, it's not too gory, it's not gross out, it's just, like, you're spending the night with these characters, uh, while everything kind of, you know, goes to shit, and they're fighting off these ghosts, and, oh, the, the ghosts, I should say, are, like, you know, classic, they look like classic kind of, you know, pirate sailor people, like their outfits, and, um, and just the, the way, yeah, the way that they're lit, because it's, like, you know, practical effects, but then, like, the lighting of it, um, it's so, it's just so good, um, yeah, and it's not, it doesn't feel totally over the top, but it feels like a classic spooky ghost story, um, that's very, very, uh, I don't want to keep saying cozy, but it just, it has that familiar, uh, feeling to it that it's, like, so easy to get wrapped up in what's happening, um, but it's, you know, not too scary or whatever, uh, and yeah, that's, that's the fog, um, that's, yeah, definitely one of, one of my favorite John Carpenter movies, so... Go watch that. Um, And I think I'm going to throw this to a recording of me and Chad talking about another movie. I'll say what it is when I'm talking to him. (laughs) Alright, so now I got Chad joining me to talk about the Changeling a 1980 um it feels kind of weird calling it a horror film
2: yeah true
0: um because it's kind of i guess it's you know like a horror mystery um yeah yeah it just has a a different feeling to it um directed by peter medak peter medak uh-huh. Never heard of him until this. Um I yeah, I had never heard of this movie until like early early this year. I was looking for something like anything scary to watch. Uh-huh. Um this was on I don't know if I rented it or if it was on Shudder at the time. Uh-huh. And I was like, George C. Scott, I like George C. Scott. Uh, so, so I put it on expecting a like you know haunted house, yeah. ghost, spooky movie, um, because that's what it kind of you know looks like and sounds like,
1: and then it ends
0: up being a very more, uh, it's I mean it's more like the movie itself is kind of haunting and the story is haunting and like
2: yeah
0: sticks with you uh and it's kind of like a sad you know mystery thing (laughs) and um and yeah not not at all what i expected but like way better than what i expected um yeah i was saying sorry i got off track peter medak uh i looked him up after watching this movie and i didn't recognize a single other movie he's directed since like you know i think he's been directing since the 70s and i didn't recognize anything until i saw like okay the 1980s twilight zone reboot and then Mm -hmm. don't recognize anything for another uh like Mm -hmm. 20 years and then he directed an episode of the wire he directed Uh, an an episode of carnival
2: uh okay and then
0: and then he he directed two episodes of um Hannibal Seinfeld no not Seinfeld um yeah he has a weird I don't know there's a lot of horror movie directors like that who just like have a you know a hit or like a really good movie and they have kind of like nothing and then I feel like all these old show runners remembered them or like knew them and then yeah. brought them on to direct, uh, episodes of their show.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah. So I do not know if you wanted to set it up and tell people what the movie's about or if you want me to do that.
2: Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, how to do this without it becoming a long summary. Uh, it's about a dude who's experienced a tragic loss and he, he is like dealing with that and he moves into a house and spooky shit happens and uh, uh, it sort of turns into a bit more of like solving an old mystery and yeah, there you go.
0: There you go. Yeah, it's got George C. Scott as the lead. I don't know yeah. any else's name and <laughs> this yeah, movie yeah
2: i actually wanted to talk about that for a second so like, the whole time i couldn't place where i knew this guy from and then i was talking to jimbo about it and i was like he said pat and i was like oh shit that is him and he's so different um mm-hmm. yeah he's yeah must be a crazy good actor it's probably obvious to a lot of other people but i i couldn't place him at first um but yeah i really like uh his his performance
0: Mhm. He's in yeah, Patton I think is his biggest like most well-known performance and then uh probably oh, after that Strange Love. Yeah, Strange Love I think is probably.
2: Yeah. Um I haven't seen that but yeah.
0: Oh okay. Yeah, he has yeah, tons of uh 70s 80s and I I mean I think he was active during the 60s but uh really really good performances. Um the what was I going to um yeah George C Scott is the lead he's a composer mm-hmm. um moved into a new house and he, and like I forget exactly the order of events of uh, like what happens but is it is it like the loud banging noise is the first thing he experiences in the house
2: um probably I don't remember exactly
0: okay but there's like what I really liked about the movie is it definitely like starts out as one thing um and you're thinking you know like haunted house guy who suffered tragedy tragedy um you know he's living there alone so you're thinking, like, this is probably going to be some kind of story of him becoming, you know, unraveled psychologically. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, but the movie kind of, like, gradually builds uh, different mysteries and, like, keeps, you know, like, throwing questions at you. And you're wondering what it all <laughs> what it all means and
1: yeah. what's the reason
0: for it and stuff. And the movie just like it does such a great job of actually following through on that, yeah, and e- explaining, um, like what each of the because he hears like noises and he has like encounters and things that happen in the house that are creepy and spooky, and uh, and you just you know you write it off as okay it's a creepy ghost thing it's just trying to scare him or it's like malevolent or something or yeah it's a it's a horror movie it's trying to spook you with stuff um yeah but they actually like follow through and have a reason for each one of those things yeah uh, it happens
2: yeah that's something i really like about it is i was thinking about it like whenever you have things that are haunting a place it's either like what a ghost or a demon right and um it kind of I don't know I'm kind of bored with like the demon thing of like um I don't know like what are what is the what are those uh found footage movies uh paranormal activity activity yeah Yeah, like some evil thing just got attached to somebody and is just like following them around because then like where do you go with that like I don't know it's just not as interesting to me as what they did with this which is like it's a ghost who you know like wants something and was like a human being that you can understand um and then you like really feel for that who that person was you know what I mean and then whoops that's an alarm (laughs) sorry I didn't
0: pick it up it's fine
2: okay um and then yeah like who that who that person was like it was a little kid um you know they kind of have the perfect protagonist to deal with that because it's someone who just he's a father and he lost a child so like everybody else i feel like would have ran away from that fucking house Mm -hmm. like super fast um but this guy he's like i almost feel like he needed something to get like invested in and distracted in yeah and then um like there was pretty cathartic by the end of it whenever like he stopped being scared of the ghost and he's just like Please tell me what I need to do so that you can stop um being, you know, all distressed, whatever word you want to use yeah. and like and like haunting me and whatever. And then it gives him a sort of catharsis at the end of the movie too. So yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting the how it didn't kind of fall back on boring like formulaic stuff or tropes. It kind of like it was more refreshing and interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, um,
0: yeah, definitely. And uh, just thinking about like what we were saying, you know, it starts starts off as one thing, yeah. you know, haunted house story, but then it's like, you know, a good character drama. It yeah. kind of develops and takes um, a turn. Uh, we weren't we weren't going to spoil you know what happens the ending all that stuff but but it takes a strong turn and there's like a couple different reveals that i was like oh my goodness because it just like everything falls in line and then and then you know yeah it moves beyond like just a haunted house ghost story it turns into like a cold case murder mystery kind of thing yeah yeah um, in addition to being like a uh, ghost story, and you know, yeah, this it's kind guy, of a hybrid. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really cool what they do with the story, and I didn't expect yeah. like any of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also, I was going to mention like the score and the music, and because there's different. Um. Just like the score itself is really strong, but then there's, you know, the music box yeah. uh, stuff and, you know, with him being a composer and he's, uh, he's like a, he's a professor, right? At a college or something now?
2: Yeah, I think he's both. He's like a accomplished composer and then he teaches like music theory or something like that at a university.
0: Okay, yeah. So it gets into... um like his yeah background as a composer and a professor and kind of goes into um his professional life a little bit but yeah there's stuff with this (laughs) creepy music box it's like perfect creepy sad music box music i just thought was really strong it like sticks with you after the movie yeah yeah um
1: and then there's
0: like a really good (laughs) Seance scene in the movie. I was yeah. just yeah. thinking about it as like a standout scene. Um I haven't watched the movie since early this year, so my memory is a little hazy on it, but I think, isn't it like they do a seance in the house? Mm-hmm. And what I what I remember and what like what impressed me about it was they they kind of just like go through the seance uh, sequence just, you know, in one go, like as it would be, they, you know, they're recording the seance um, and they're just going through it. And you're one, like as a viewer, you're wondering, okay, am I supposed to be getting all the answers here? Am I supposed to be hearing what they're hearing? Like there's blanks Uh here, there's gaps, you know, am I going to get answers to this stuff? And then um, I think, is it the very next scene is him playing back the
2: tape of it? Yeah. Yeah, it's after everybody's left and he's home alone listening to the replay on the tape. And that's whenever he hears the the voices. Yeah, so
0: so they record the seance, everybody leaves. And then I actually pulled this scene up and watched it a little bit ago. Um, But it's like, it's a one and a half minute slow shot that just moves in. It starts as a wide shot and just moves in on him um, mm. in like the dining room or something. And he's got the little tape set thing there and he's playing it and he's smoking a cigarette and it starts as this wide shot that like zooms into a medium shot over a minute and a half as he's playing this tape and listening and he's uh, stopping and going back, rewinding. He's like fine tuning the settings so that he can hear it clearer and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and it's I just thought it was a cool filmmaking choice that they like they don't do that during the séance. They do it. Yeah, yeah. When he's alone, he's like obsessed, and you know to the point where he's going to go in and he's going to pick this thing apart. get all the answers himself,
2: and and... he knows about like recording and stuff. Yeah, exactly. I always I always love in movies whenever the characters, like the main characters, have like an actually interesting profession, and Mm -hmm. then they. And it almost, like, whenever it feels like the director or the writer is, like, maybe knows a lot about that so that it feels more grounded in a reality of, like, this isn't just some dude who's, like, you know, a movie character. He's not a real person. Like, it's based in a person who has, like, you know, a hobby or a profession where they, like, know a lot and it's, like, they're part of, like, a whole world you know what i mean something that comes to mind this similar was like blowout yeah yeah, yeah. with uh john travolta was like a is he like a foley artist or something like that yeah yep. like i just love anything like that where they ground it in this sort of weird like um specific profession or or like um something that a character is you know not maybe not an expert in, but they have a lot of knowledge in you know what I mean, and they kind of mm-hmm. use that a lot in this movie with sound and and music um yeah, with that, and then uh with where he's like composing music on the piano, mm-hmm. and then it turns out that the thing he was composing like all on his own is the melody that was in the music box he finds yeah. later, yeah I love that that was such a cool idea, mm-hmm. uh, yeah,
0: um. I think, uh, I just wanted to, you know, talk about this kind of quickly, not get too deep into it, but, um, yeah, I think like, I'm ready to wrap up with this, but I was just going to say the, not to get into the reveals and, uh, you know, what actually happened and everything, but it does have like. It's not gory. There's a kill in the movie, a murder, mm-hmm. um, and it's not like a gory thing, but it just like is one of the most like chilling, hardest to yeah, watch it's for very, me. It's,
2: it's very disturbing. It's a
0: very yeah, very disturbing murder sequence. Um, so like if you're if you're squeamish about that stuff, maybe don't watch it. Uh, yeah, because yeah, it was it was really tough watched that part but it's like it's i mean it's so well done and it's just very sad and yeah uh, that's kind of the whole movie <laughs> it's like really yeah true sad.
2: yeah i mean i prefer that to some like shitty jump scare yeah. you know whatever movie yeah um, yeah
0: all right uh did you rent this or was this streaming anywhere
2: i rented it it was only like two dollars on amazon so
0: okay all right cool uh yeah thanks for talking to me about it um
2: the changeling
0: if anybody wants to go watch that really really good movie uh Mm -hmm. yeah thanks for jumping in chad yep no problem all right and now we're down to the final movie Final film in our 1980s horror episode. Um, This is one that I have seen. I feel like I've seen it maybe five times around there. Um, It was something that I saw. I remember seeing it on TV as a kid. And then never seeing it again for years and years. And then um, the past couple of years, I sought it out, and was like, okay, Halloween time, I'm gonna watch Pumpkinhead, and that's our final movie, it is directed by Stan Winston, um, came out in 1988, uh, if you don't know Stan Winston, he was, like, a special effects makeup extraordinaire genius guy, um, had a crazy long career, worked in primarily, like, sci-fi and horror stuff, so he has, like, a lot of sci-fi, um, credits with James Cameron and Spielberg, and then he has, like, a bunch of horror, um, credits with just, like, one movie here and there, uh, but, yeah, he's, he had a very long career. I believe he has passed away, um, yeah, and Pumpkinhead was just, like, something that always stuck with me after I saw it, it was, oh boy, I don't remember when, but I was a kid when I first saw it, and, and then just, like, nobody ever talked about it, nobody ever knew, um, what I was talking about when I brought up Pumpkinhead and, you know, there's just that, like, period of not having, uh, not having, like, streaming options, you know, before everything went on streaming, and Netflix, and, uh, getting stuff through the mail, (laughs) DVDs from Netflix, um, so it was just, like, this movie I kind of had forgotten about, and then, um a few years ago, I was like, nope, I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> I have to watch it and see if it's still good. Um, and it feels like a lot of people have done that. There's been kind of a resurgence, I think, or, or maybe I'm just, you know, realizing or discovering that there is that strong cult, uh, appeal to it. because um, I remember a few years ago, it actually aired on Think the sci-fi channel. Um anyways, (laughs) Pumpkinhead is one of two I think he only directed two films, uh, Stan Winston. One is Pumpkinhead, (laughs) and the other one is A Gnome named Norm. Uh I guess it's also called Upworld and other countries or had re-release or something I don't know um but yeah it's it's cool because he had this long career doing special effects and makeup stuff and he finally had a creature movie for himself to you know work on and go all out on um so the story of Pumpkinhead is There's this father and son, they live in the country, it's, I don't remember it being established, which, you know, state or city they actually live in, um, I googled where it was shot, it says it was shot in California, uh, which I guess, you know, California has hills, and you could... Pretend it's the country. It kind of reminded me of uh, Kentucky, just from my time driving through, traveling through the hills um, in Kentucky, and it's about this father and son who live in the country, and there's these city folk people who come through, just passing, passing by on their way to, uh, to go camp in a cabin. And, you know, they blow off some steam riding dirt bikes, because this is the late 80s dirt bikes were huge, I guess. Uh, (laughs) And stuff happens that leads to the, the son running out in front of one of the dirt bikes, chasing his dog, who got loose. And he gets hit by the dirt bike, and... Uh, dies. So, Lance Henriksen plays the father, and there is this legend in the mountains, the hill people. Um, I believe it's where they live is called Razorback Holler, um, and there's this legend that like everybody knows, but they don't talk about, of Pumpkinhead. Lance Henriksen takes the son to a witch woman who lives in the hills trying to save or bring his son back to life. She says, you know, that's not possible, but what you can have is revenge. So he, hey Cheeto, she's making noise again. Um, so he decides, okay, he wants revenge. Um, So, he agrees to have the witch woman bring Pumpkinhead, summon Pumpkinhead, and take revenge on these city folk. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of the the setup for the movie. So, the first, like, the first big appeal for me is practical effects. Um, this is just, like, all entirely, I believe, practical. I don't think there's anything CG in there. Um, And yeah, and that's a huge love of mine anytime there's practical effects, especially whenever it's a creature, a monster. uh, I love that. I think the pumpkin head design is kind of cool. He looks sort of... He looks sort of like a xenomorph. I always thought he looked like a xenomorph, except his head is kind of round, Um, not like a pumpkin, (laughs) but, but it's not, yeah, it's not elongated and uh, phallic (laughs) like a xenomorph said. Um, But one of the big things in the movie is Lance Henriksen, you know, agreed to have this thing take revenge and kill these people. Um, and part of that deal that I don't believe he's aware of is that he and Pumpkinhead will actually kind of merge and like share, uh, a a mind sort of. So, so he starts witnessing and like actually feeling the murders occurring. And one thing that, love about this movie is the cinematography the lighting specifically um because it just like it it feels so halloween it feels like the perfect halloween movie by the way this is a 86 minute movie so it's pretty short and not like a big investment um and it's just yeah all the the bare essentials (laughs) hey cheeto um so yeah there's like the scene where lance henrickson goes and talks to this witch woman and it just has these like warm orange and brown colors and i i personally love whenever uh there are witches in movies especially with like practical effects and like great set decorating and production design and costumes and everything, um, and whenever they're, uh, more, I don't know, more, it feels more fairy tale, uh, dream-like, you know, it feels like classical kind of fairy tale, which, uh, the old woman, um, who lives in, like, a, a, (laughs) a house under a tree or something like that, um, and then the scenes, like the lighting and the the shots and everything during the attacks, whenever Pumpkinhead is actually killing these people, uh, a lot of it takes place in the woods, like out at this cabin, and it's just, it's so perfectly Halloween, creepy woods, uh, lots of, you know, dead leaves on the ground, um, uh, barren trees and... Uh, and then there's, like, lightning, um, not sure if it's supposed to be lightning or if it's just, like, a strobe kind of flashing light effect that comes from Pumpkinhead, uh, but it's pretty cool, I think, um, and yeah, I just, I put it on every year, it's not, like I said, it's not a big time commitment, um, it, Pumpkinhead is... (laughs) kind of a ridiculous... I don't know, maybe the concept is ridiculous, but I think the handling and the telling of the story is very well done. Um, It does a great job establishing the relationship between Lance Henriksen and his son, so you, like, you actually just, right off the bat in the movie, like, you care and you like both of them. Um, So... (laughs) rewatching this because I uh I don't maybe I didn't pay enough attention <laughs> the last time I watched it, but rewatching it, the the son's death scene just like hit me so hard and I was I was just like, oh that was that was so sad. Um and it's and his performance, Lance Henriksen's performance is amazing. He's just like you know star of the movie, and actual star, great, great performance, um, yeah, so, Pumpkinhead, want to recommend that, uh, there's a lot to love about that movie, I did want to say, um, I already got into how the episode, uh, recording got messed up, you know, and we kind of lost all this material, and, uh, talking about stuff, our discussion on these movies, um, part of what was lost was, was two other movies, uh, which I, I decided not to cover, uh, myself, because, um, the first one is Friday the 13th, part four, it's the final cut, it's the one with Corey Feldman, um, It is, like, it's a standout movie in that series. Um, However, (laughs) Rachel and I both had not seen it in a while. And we were like, oh, okay, yeah, that's a good one. That's, you know, one of the best. And I think it is one of the best in the series. But we hadn't seen it in a while, and we watched it. (laughs) And both of us were like, uh, I mean, it's it's." you know it's kind of good for Friday the 13th but it's not really a great movie um uh, so we actually recorded a discussion on it where we were like ending up realizing we didn't really care about it um i think it's still i think it's still worth watching but i would say either watch it as part of like a whole marathon of the series or i would just say maybe maybe skip to um to this movie, Friday the 13th Part 4, the final chapter, and that actually starts a trilogy, um, the Tommy Jarvis trilogy, which is Corey Feldman's character. Um, stuff happens at the end of this movie, and his character is brought back, different actor, and then his character is brought back again in a third movie, again a different actor. So it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> Um, but I think the trilogy itself is worthwhile and worth watching, um, I mean, unless you're just, you know, low expectations, Friday the 13th, you just want to watch dumb slasher type of stuff. Um, yeah, so we had that, and then, uh, Rachel really likes Nightmare on Elm Street, I don't like it as much as her, but I do like it, um and i just wasn't as familiar with the movie so she was kind of you know carrying the discussion and um and i really wanted to revisit uh nightmare on elm street 3 dream warriors that's the movie that we chose um again the recording was messed up so couldn't use it for this and we've been talking about maybe doing some kind of franchise series franchise series going through different franchises so I thought you know what if we don't have the recordings maybe we can just do that and go through those two different franchises all the way through and we'll get to them then (laughs) so those are kind of honorable mentions if you want to call them that um Much in the same way that Night of the Creeps is, that I mentioned earlier, with Tom Atkins. Um, So if you want something extra, go ahead, watch those, I think. Um, But we probably will do some sort of series covering that stuff in the future. Um, I did want to mention uh, one more thing as just like a shout-out, honorable mention thing, is Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. If you haven't seen that or heard of it, it's a, (laughs) it's a six episode, like 20, 24 minute an episode British comedy series, uh, made in like the early 2000s, I think. Um, it never got released in the U.S. There's no other way to watch it, um, unless you find, you know, something, something to download, or YouTube, that's how I've always watched it, is people just upload the episodes to YouTube, um, it's a very funny series, uh, about this author who's, like, super self-serious, can't, you know, takes himself so serious, thinks he's, like, a god of writing, and the end-all, be-all, um, writing, And, um, it's a six, yeah, six episode series, so that's, that's it, um, and it's done, it's finished, it's all on YouTube, I just checked, it's all still there, uh, very, very funny, it kind of, and the reason I was throwing it in on this episode is, now that we've done 70s and 80s movies, that's primarily what it, like, parodies and makes fun of, it's this horror author who's kind of like a... Uh, Stephen King, Dean Kuntz kind of guy who's like, you know, thinks he's the shit and was offered a chance to write a TV show in the 80s and he made it and it was awful and it got shelved and it has a kind of a mockumentary, you know, style of filming where it's kind of them the characters who are in the TV show revisiting and like watching and discussing with like talking head clips of them going over the scenes as you watch the episodes. Um but it has it has uh Matt Barry, it has Richard Aowade, um, it has Julian Barrett from The Mighty Boosh. Uh it's just a really good short little comedy. Nobody's really seen um, parodying all of these movies that we've been talking about <laughs> on these two episodes. So I thought, why not mention it um, and give it a shout out? And just wrapping up, I would go ahead and plug the social media. We have Twitter, at excitedpod. Uh, we have Instagram, please be excited, all one word. Uh, You can send us emails at excitedpodcast at gmail.com, and we are now on YouTube, so if you want to go follow us on YouTube, Please Be Excited is the channel, so you can find us there. Uh, Thanks for listening, I'm really excited to record the next couple decades of horror episodes, and those will be coming shortly, and yeah.